should you decide to accept it. Welcome to the latest episode of your mission, our 90s EP of shame episode. We've spent the last two weeks putting together our own shameful EP full of tracks that would embarrass us, if that's even possible at this point. I think it wasn't really possible, but there are plenty of things we can talk shamefully about. I think that I, I think that most of what's on my list is stuff that I am not ashamed of in the slightest. Because I, like I said, you can't be ashamed if you don't really give a shit what other people think. It's a necessary prerequisite. I don't, putting any of these on, I don't really feel any actual shame. But it is nonetheless things that I suspect were I to go around blasting them that people would probably make fun of me for. Um, and, and in fact, I, for example, this is a lifelong affliction, give or take. I too, when I moved to West Virginia, Alonzo very much had that same experience of like, where the fuck did I just, just come to? What is going on here? Also took me a while to figure out. And I don't really feel like I never, I certainly didn't fit in at the time, like very much did not. Today, I think I pretty reasonably passed to a certain extent, and that's fine. Like, we've come to a comfortable acceptance uh, of each other, and that's cool. I'm happy with that. It's a good place to be. But nonetheless, I can recall, what, like 20, 15, 20 years ago, driving through Queens in New York City, and I was very loudly with my windows down playing the oldies CD that I had put together. So I just cannot for my entire life have been unable to give a fuck and that's the best i can do here i think as far as what you guys were saying i i jive with that for the most part i i didn't come from somewhere other than west virginia so i never had that like moment of culture shock that would come with playing something different that wasn't on one of the two radio stations but i definitely you guys were the first people that I was able to really freely talk about whatever music was rattling around my in my head at that time and feel not feel like like you checked out of the the conversation partway through like it felt like maybe you, it didn't jive with you but but you were still into having the conversation because we overlapped in enough areas that even on my weird tangents it was like okay that's cool that was the worst I had to deal with was you guys kind of accepting mm -hmm. that's what I was listening to. Or maybe a lot of giving me some shit for stabbing westward at the time because I was oh. in the It was not like in a mocking thing. It was more like you weren't into it when I brought it up in the conversation. It was very much, huh, really? That's you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was it was still acceptance, but it, it was the kind of acceptance that makes you pause and go. Huh. Okay. Someone brought up the Google. Someone brought up the Google dolls, and like was like, "Yeah, the Google dolls suck. Like, the Google dolls suck." And I was like, "Yes, I agree. Except that they had this one song that I really liked from back in the day." And so it puts me in the position of defending the Google dolls, which is painful yeah. to me. Yeah, I feel that. I totally forgot this song existed in the Google doll in, in the Google dolls catalog. Like. You, I saw that they were on your list. I tried not to pay much attention to it over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, I, 
This is not what I remembered. I totally forgot this existed. Yeah. Nice little distortion. I don't. I, I, I think this song rocks, man. I think it just. I think it just fucking slaps. And I guess the other thing is, especially their next record and all the other lame songs that we all know from the '90s, like. The lead singer is like such. He looks too good to be in a rock. Like the ideal like rock band. Like it's, I think Lemmy. Like every rock band lead singer should like have scars or like weird like warts or something. He's such a pretty boy, dude. So I don't know, man. I'm in the position of defending pretty boys, which sucks. Jenny, what do you what, do? You remember the song at all? I don't. Zero memory of the song. Sorry. Okay. No. None. All good. All good. So next for me is a Sheryl Crow song called Strong Enough. Okay. So this is the very first Sheryl Crow song I heard. And it, I think I heard it on... I think I heard it on the... Whatever the third... What was the third radio station in Petersburg? So not WELD, not the Q, the other one. Is that like, the one that started from like the Cookman building or something? I think... I want to say it was like 106 something or other. I can't remember on the radio doll. Anyway. I remember 106.1, which was out of Cumberland. 106.1, I bet it was. I bet it was, yeah. Probably. So, this is the first Sheryl Crow song I ever heard, and I just think it's a pretty song. That's basically it. I don't really have too much to add, except the chorus is, Are you strong enough to be my man? So this is like some toxic masculinity stuff. But like, when you're growing up and when you're singing a song when you really like a song where the chorus is are you strong enough to be my man and you're supposed to sing it like you're singing along it's definitely and you're not gay it's definitely <laughs> shit and even if you were probably right I, I like the chord changes that are in that like uh, pre-chorus that yeah. just happened yeah it's a pretty song it's yeah a good like folky song there wasn't a whole lot like this and popular radio and this was better than what was there it was yeah. a, it was a little country a little bit a, a little bit i think that's bit. more all right what was that is that hank williams Jr.? Uh, i really look forward to at some point when if and when all this is over alonzo i think we need to do a karaoke and i'm gonna need you to just sing this so i can properly assess and then also i'm gonna also sing just a girl by no doubt oh yes please <laughs> which falls into the exact same category of uh, yeah, but if I don't see a tear roll down your cheek at the end of this song, though, it's going to be it's gonna be disappointing. So, so this is a Just toxic... Really let it out. This is a, this, to me, it's like a, the toxic masculinity, heteronormativity bucket of... The no-homo bucket, if you will, of singing a song with lyrics that, as a guy... And it's really stupid and ridiculous, which is exactly why I wanted to share the song with you guys. I would just like to add, going back to No Doubt for a hot second, yeah. Just a Girl is a banging song, and I, it never even occurred to me that there was any shame related to that, or I could have put it on here, because that's a thing. <laughs> that's, that's, why no, that's why there is no No Doubt on my list, because mm -hmm. that, that no, no shame Magic Kingdom that. album was No was shame. Great. Okay, so next up for me, and I agree, I, I, I really like that record, by the way. Next up is a Blues Traveler song called The Hook for Back in the Day. So, why would I feel sh Well, okay, first off, why do I like this song? I didn't realize, I, I liked it at the time because it's a really pretty song and it has a really great harmonica solo. It's pretty much like every Blues Traveler song. <laughs> like, okay, 
in this exercise, I was doing this, right? And the I was listening to different songs. And the first version of the song I found on YouTube had a lyric, had the lyrics in the video. And if you guys could pull up the lyrics to this song, I don't know if you've ever listened to the lyrics to this or actually paid any attention, okay? But this song is genius, okay? It's genius, the lyrics are genius. And I didn't really realize it until actually paying any kind of attention, all right? Okay, so basically, the first verse of this song, okay, is about how you're not listening to the lyrics of this song because I'm singing it very pretty, okay? <laughs> And I'm going to just keep doing this. Your number, haven't they? <laughs> and I'm just going to keep doing this. And it doesn't matter who you are, because if I'm doing my job, <laughs> you're not going to pay attention to the lyrics. Because the hook brings you back. The hook of the song. The, the hook that repeats. Okay. It's a prank as a song. It's a prank. Yeah. And it worked. I, I don't think most people actually know that about this song. And... Okay, so I've established that this song as a pop song is like a genius thing, in my opinion. The reason I feel shame about this is that Blues Traveler was associated with a group of bands from back then. It was like a new jam band movement. So they had this tour. I don't know if you remember the Horde tour. Like, I never went to any of the shows, but it was like Blues Traveler and a bunch of bands, let's say Rusted Root. I think Dave Matthews was part of that, Fish, and others, Widespread Panic, and none of those, basically none of those bands have aged whatsoever. And I don't really like pretty much any of those other bands, and I feel like Blues Traveler is like this weird outlier. So I think it's more shame by association. And like, my ellipsis to all that is, Apparently John Popper, the lead singer, is like a super crazy gun nut. Like he's got five bazillion guns and... Oh. Um, does he have a vest for those two? He probably does, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he's a weirdo and... They like, actually all, ha they all each have their own harmonicas, actually. Oh, each gun? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, on a quiet night, it's like really beautiful. To uh, on his yeah. property, like, when he's firing his guns, like... So, or... <laughs> Horde stood for horizons of rock developing everywhere. That's yeah. Right. Horde wow. was an acronym. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So and, and and I don't know I don't know about the I mean I see some jam band associations, but like they're all over the place. So one other thing about the blues traveler and the whole new jam band scene. Right, like I went to summer camp outside of West Virginia for like several years and like a ton of kids that I went to summer camp with were into like fish and like also Katie was super into fish when like I met her and I have never gotten it I no, I've no. never gotten I mean, it I just don't get it I Trey Anastasia is a fine guitarist that's about as far as I get into the fish world yeah there's there's a band I really out of Houston called Crumbin and there's some videos online where he came out and played with them on stage and it was fine. 
no fish songs, all Krungbin songs. So, I mean, he, he seems like a nice guy. I, it's like not like that they're offensive people. I just think that their music is like boring, and I don't understand why like people really love it. That's, I guess, my main thing. And I think Blues Traveler at least has real songs. I would like to add, apropos of really nothing except for their name just got mentioned five minutes ago, mm. that the, the extent to which I have any awareness or knowledge of widespread panic is relegated solely to a joke on Squidbillies. That's yeah. where I'm <laughs> like, play, like, literally that name comes up and immediately I'm like, playing on your back 40? I couldn't tell you a single song that they wrote. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, I don't think, it's just not good music. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm sure it's, technically it's very proficient, but I just don't get it. I'm sure it's fine if you're into that sort of thing. Sure. <laughs> I guess. So up next for me is Shania Twain's song, You're Still the One, which I think was one of her first hits. If Maybe it was her first hit or, I don't know. It was one of her first hits. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm struggling to recall. What came first? <laughs> yeah. This is another one of those where it's just... It's a ballad that I really think is very pretty. Like, the melody is just really pretty. And I think it probably... this The video probably didn't hurt. Because she's, like, really hot. And it's, like, hormone, like, teenage Alonzo probably thought, Hey, she's really hot. But I just think the, the chorus and... It's just a really pretty song, and and it has earworm quality that kind of will undermine your better days. <laughs> and there's good harmonies. I, I don't know. It just has a lot of the things that I like. Okay, why shame? Why shame? Because when you're constructing your identity and you're not in the mainstream, and when songs like this, which were like a huge hit in the mainstream, and you can't help that you like it, and especially it has a little bit of country vibe to it which like was not something my identity at the time could allowed for really so like that i think was the shameful thing it's like how can i like shania twain and the reality is like basically most other shania twain songs i think are pretty lame so this is like the only one so this one is still the one for me that's it as far as Shania Twain goes. This, one, this one's still the one for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, guys. Any thoughts? Any Shania Twain stories? I mean, I'm, I'm sure I heard it on the bus to school. <laughs> Walkman was broken, but... Um, so no one's, I mean, no, so no one's going to bite. No one's going to be like, man, this song is fucking cool. And, no. Yeah, this is the yeah. one that's like, all these years <laughs> later, it's, it's still the one for me. Yeah. I, but, I, at the same time, I will say that I have other songs that are in exactly this position that y'all are free to uh to shit on me for. <laughs> I'm, okay with that. I'm okay with it too uh, yeah. i'm okay with it too i was hoping there was maybe a closet fan here like this insofar as like i said it, it's a brain worm there's there there's some melodies to this that stick with you yeah i'm sure that sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours it will pop into my head at a very inconvenient moment yeah and and there's nothing i can do about that there's it's you're, you're welcome something about there's something about it but it's it doesn't pull me back to it okay like, all right this next one i think it might though okay and the next one for me is oh yeah there's no shame the, in the next one for me is the cardigan song love fool 
from... There's no shame in this. I, this that doesn't belong fine. on a shame in PP. Fine. If anyone shames you for this, they're the wrong one. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. so let me give a little context. So this was on the Romeo and Juliet, Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack. On the Baz Luhrmann. The Baz okay. Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Just side note, that shit has aged god-awfully. And Baz Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann, I think has, generally has makes... Has issued an apology? <laughs> he should have. And you know what, actually, <laughs> let me just say this. Side rant, okay? This motherfucker made The Great Gatsby. He did a version of The Great Gatsby the, uh, as a film. The one with Leo. And what is the relic of the Leo Great Gatsby? It's the stupid meme with him like offering the drink, right? And fireworks in the background. I don't know if you remember that one. Leo plays Gatsby. Okay. I'm not horrified with Leo playing Gatsby. That's fine. Cool. I love The Great Gatsby. It might be my favorite American novel, like, ever. Okay? And it is such a fucking disgrace, man. It completely misses... Everything is surface. It completely misses, like, all the pathos of the movie. Or the book. And fuck Baz Luhrmann. So, just... Let me just put that on the... On the side. There. Finally, someone takes this. Stand. Someone called that motherfucker out, man. Finally. <laughs> yeah, but this song is like beautiful bubblegum. Yeah, I don't know. You pick up a guitar and strum those notes, and it's just this beautiful little poppy. It's just, uh, it's just good. It's just good. And so here's another cool thing. In listening to this, actually, I found a video. We can watch maybe some of it in the after party, but. It's like some YouTube guy that does like he does reevaluations of one hit wonders. <laughs> and he looked at this one and he listened to the old cardigan stuff. So there's two albums that they put out in Sweden before they got big. And I listened to them and they're great. They're like this like kind of twee indie pop sort of thing. They have they play bassoon in some of the songs. It's so good. It's so good. It's in my rotation right now, honestly. So, so wait. So is this more consumable than those albums? This is more. This, like, this is popular and more kind of disco-y. So this is their pepper. This is their butthole. This is their pepper. pepper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is their pepper. This is. But it's beautiful. It's great. Again, also didn't hurt that she's like gorgeous. I think her name is Nina Pearson. Pearson. But okay, why do I feel shame? It's only because like in 1995 when the song came out, like I was listening to like really heavy aggro, like yeah. teenage boy shit, and it just did not fit, <laughs> like in the melange of what 14 year old Alonzo was listening to. Um, it was a jarring, a jarring transition on the auto shuffle. Okay, and so now this one, this next one is also uh, a jarring transition, also Swedish. This is Ace that, of Bass, All That She Wants. That great keyboard, like, that that synth, synth horn sound at the beginning of this is so good. I still <laughs> listen to this whole album. I, still I think do. I wore out a tape copy of this when I was, like, this came out when I was, like, nine, maybe? Yeah, it was really good. There's absolute, just, like, bangers on this thing. And you know what I like about this? It's, like, weird, because it's, like, got elements of like dance hall music in it random like it's i don't know if you can listen but it's on the upbeat it's on the one huh right like it's like the rhythm is like a little like kind of jamaican influence the instrumentation is so dated 
like it's of that time that synthy horn and all the drum sounds and yeah set the chord to saxophone yeah and I don't, but I don't know, man. This is just—it's a good song. Like I just can't deny like that. It's like a good song. It, the bridge is really good. The intro is really good. It's super catchy, and they did a bunch of other really super catchy stuff. It's like a story in my life that like I like Swedish music. I don't know what the fuck it says about me. Like I like ABBA. <laughs> I like. I, I was thinking about putting that stupid song by Aqua Barbie, but that was even a little too much for me. And, and then there's a bunch of Italo disco stuff that comes from Sweden, too, randomly, so... I don't know, man. I randomly, randomly have all these Welsh bands in my catalogs. I'm in no position to judge. <laughs> Do you guys have any Ace of Bass memories? Like, I remember this being played at, like, school dances and stuff. Also, Matt, I, I, like I say, I remember picking this up when it came out, and yeah, I think this is one of those albums I listened to every track and left it on repeat for multiple days. Nine, ten-year-old me really enjoyed Ace of Base. Unabashedly. Yeah, so, I don't know, Jenny, what do you, uh, thoughts? Any additional thoughts? My whole outlook on ABBA, which I will acknowledge was they are at an unfair disadvantage because this girl who rode my bus was very into ABBA and insisted that our bus driver play this tape on the way to school and so i heard it a lot and i hadn't chosen to and it really irritated me mostly because i guys like the sign i if it were a person i would want to punch it in the face that's such <laughs> a bad song oh it's so bad it's so fucking vapid and there's nothing to it and it makes me angry and so what i will say is that song made me mad and the fact that I was being forced to listen to that song made me mad so that when by the time that this came around I was unfortunately already just mad and but I will t I will also acknowledge all that aside this is not a bad song it's it's got I, I can get behind it it's fine I can let yeah. it go long enough to acknowledge that there's merit to that song okay so and go ahead like a freight train into George Strait we go <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sorry for that, Jenny. That sounds oh, no, no. like a punishment. Um, I'm sorry for ABBA. I'm sorry for. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Like my my mom was like super into ABBA. So I don't know. I just I just remember listening to a tape when I was a kid. But okay, yeah. We're gonna barrel straight into George Strait. George Strait song Adelida. So I remember hearing this on W E L D, which is the uh, country station in Petersburg when we were growing up. And so it's got a Zydeco feel, right? Just enough, just enough to let you know that it's there. Not enough for it to be a Zydeco song. Not, it's not a Zydeco all. song. But he drops all the references, like, I'll swim the poncha train and all that, whatever. It's, um, it's just, just this side of the cultural appropriation, right? Just this side. It is. It's a country can, song wait, with a Zydeco flavor. Can George Strait, can he culturally appropriate Zydeco? Is that, I, I mean, oh, is there, maybe not. Is that not. I don't know if he can. Dude. Maybe not. I don't know, man. The whole conversation around cultural appropriation makes no sense to me. Like, I'm a fucking immigrant. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? True. <laughs> but anyway, I just always love this song. It's a pretty song. I, I can't deny it. It's super catchy. 
I, I do. I think the instrumentation has actually aged well because it's kind of got that little Zydeco flavor, and it doesn't just straight like sound like a '90s country song. And I can see up next they're suggesting all my exes live in Texas. Also, <laughs> like, comparing the two. Yeah. Yeah, this one maybe has a little bit more life. I like all my exes anyway, but... And it turns out that I think he wrote a bunch of good songs, man. I, I think he's more probably a victim of, like, just being in the 90s. I think he probably, if he was in the 70s, he probably would have written songs that aren't so tacky, you yeah. know? Yeah, I don't know. I just remember George Strait growing up being, like, the guy who would wear the country hats, or, like, the cowboy hats way more prominently than just about everyone and that's saying something because they all fucking did back then but importantly though did he ever wear, ever wear a nudie suit that's what i need he did know. not though that's the ah. thing see see the 90s were a weird time in country where like the nudie yeah. suit was like excess so yeah the, the nudie suit was like 67 50 60 70s and by the time of the 80s and the 90s like, you're not going to wear that like frilly the nonsense. You're gonna wear jeans, we cowboy hat. You know. Yeah, we need more of a common man. Okay, fine. You can put on a suit coat, but if you put on a tie with that suit yeah. coat, hey man, it's gonna be jeans, jeans, cowboy jeans, hat, <laughs> open collar. Cowboy oh, hat. and they better be boot cut. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, right? I think uh, <laughs> tight in the crotch. He's got oh shit, it, it changed the photo, but you could see there he had just the slightest bit of a hemp necklace or something, and I feel like that was like getting dangerously close to the line. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. But it was mostly hidden, mostly. Those are some big ass cowboy hats that they would wear back in the day. Mm. It's just half his head. It's like a fucking cowboy hat. Well, anyway. Handy with stage lights. I bet that I bet it's handy to have a big brim when you're under stage lights. Anyway, or also the amount of sheer sweat that would collect in it over the course of a concert when you took it off. Ooh. I bet he had. Cha- I bet he had outfit changes though. This is this is the time of Garth Brooks Arena concerts. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's self-evident why I probably felt shame at the time for liking that song. Like it was just definitely a song I wasn't supposed to like. Yeah, I mean, that that's it for me. I have a bunch of honorable mentions. We can talk about them later. Ryan or Jenny, who wants to go next? Je- Je- why, why don't we go with Jenny? And I'm I'm going to kick it off with Lifehouse, somebody else's, was your first choice. Actually, probably, no, yeah, this is the only song on here that isn't squarely in the category of something I like and still and and everyone else who doesn't like it can fuck off but this one is in that category and as much as I feel like today it is somewhat laughable to be like oh yeah that lifehouse song really into that like that slaps but it has the added element of actually being a song that I think is if I don't know shame exactly but if you I think when I said before we got started if you really want to if you really want to just sit around and hate yourself for a while and really marinate in something that feels commiseratory, I think this for me is a good choice. This is, and I will say that Atlas Found, which made it to my honorable mentions in Orchid, it had to go on the honorable mentions because it was 2009 and it did not meet the date criteria, but that's another one that, uh, yeah, it's really, if you really just want to, want some, something to feel shitty along to, these are pretty good in my book, honestly. Pretty good. So, where's the shame? I think just facially, just being like, was the Lifehouse song? 
I dig this. I have it on repeat like for an hour today. That that's shameful in a way. <laughs> in a way. I don't really care. I'm I'm not gonna lose any sleep over someone uh, pointing correctly pointing that out. Yeah. But nonetheless, I do think it's a little bit. Uh, I, I... It, it's something that kind of was a blip on a somewhat laughable scene in hindsight in general. People taking themselves very serious, just very seriously. Yeah. At least that's kind of how I view it. That's I, I when you brought up Lifehouse, I, I actually thought about Crowded House. Uh, like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, it's crowded. I, I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't even remember. I couldn't remember what Lifehouse was. This was just like out around the same time as like Stained and Stone Sour and like all of those very hard dudes who were like exploring their self-loathing side. It became popular there for a while in hard music to be very, I don't know if navel-gazing is the right word, but just to be very self-loathing for a hot minute. I feel like that, that was my impression at the time. I don't know. Maybe you guys saw it differently. No? I don't know. No, this, I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard this song. It's hard for me yeah. to comment too much more on it. I don't remember this song at all, but for sure, it's like the moment it started playing, I started thinking about bands like Stained. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that, we can be hard for nine out of ten tracks, but for this one, we're gonna cry. Do you think is this one? Yeah, is, exactly. This is for the ladies, like type of deal. I don't know if it's a for the ladies thing. Or okay. If it's just we're not just monsters. We're monsters that feel. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was honestly the beginning of some sort of like transition into uh, more modern emo. For sure. I don't, I don't think this sounds bad, honestly. Like sounds like, like it's like power song. pop sort of whatever. Yeah. I want to be very clear about the fact that I actually love this song, like independent of any That's of that. That's good. I love the the minor chord. I'm, I'm just such a fucking whore for the minor chords. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, even if I had no no shame attachments to this song, I would still think it was a, a great song. And I am willing to admit that publicly, and I don't care. That's you just a, did. Yeah. yeah, I did. Literally <laughs> did. Literally. All right. So next up on your list, okay, I'm, I'm gonna. Is it Gorky's Zygotic Minchi, Mincy, or Mincy? Mo monkey, actually. Monkey. Yeah. Really? That's Welsh for you, man. Welsh Gorky's yeah. Zygotic Monkey. So I guess it's supposed to be like psychotic. Maybe. Actually. Maybe. Okay. okay now this song is called. Methu Aros Tanhath. It actually trans translates to "can't wait, uh, can't wait till summer." Can't um, wait till summer. This is a. I think I think that this also is one of those songs for me. You guys already know because we've talked about it numerous times in like the the three of these that we've done that. I ordinarily am not even conscious of what the lyrics of songs are, and so most of my perceptions and reactions to them tend to be based solely on the music and just the the feel of it. But, and that's true for this one too. I mean, this is that kind of, not this part so much, but like the sad part at the beginning feels like a nice, a nice thing to be melancholy with. Which is not exactly the same thing as shame, I will give you, but nonetheless, it is a nice song to sit around and just be bummed, I feel like. Also, the lyrics, I looked up just today, because I'd never really. And interestingly, 
they're mostly nonsense, but they're also a little bit dark, which I was surprised by. I did it. I did it like a Google Translate, which I promptly already closed when I was closing all my million, million, million windows. But I'm gonna do it again really quickly while this is playing because I think it's worth doing. So this, by the way, I, I think I mentioned this before. This is a really good song. I, I don't know, like. I'm gonna grab it later, I think. Can we also, okay, so it's, I will warn you, it's not on iTunes. I don't know if it's oh. anywhere but YouTube. Yeah. However, well, I also we'll think see. that I might, I have a CD, like a physical CD I Ooh. dug up out of a box. It might be on there. I might be able to hook you up with that. However, mm. so I also need to give credit where credit's due, but let me also quickly, there we go. There we go. So the lyrics are very like innocent for a while. They're just nonsense. It's like, can't wait till June, wait till summer. And then it, at the, towards the end of all this like nonsensical childlike stuff, the lyrics are, I'm going to break you this summer. And I was like, well, fuck, all right. <laughs> all right. So then I, I, that was something I learned today. Now, all right, this is, a very different version of this band. They were all, as you can see, super young, like Welsh teenagers at this time. And they're just fucking ridiculous and goofy. And this is the sort of thing that if I were playing it unironically, like, that's the shame for that. Is that someone's gonna be like, Yeah, what's what's number wrong one? With you? <laughs> number one, what language is this? Like, yeah. number two, what the fuck is this, like, 13 year old bullshit? Yeah. However, this is a good song, and I won't apologize for it. And Dude. I will also add, credit where credit is due. Yeah. I only learned, you guys are like, oh, I only knew about this, or Lewis only knew about this from me. I only knew about this from my dad, who is the OG, not giving a fuck, listening to whatever random shit, King, yeah. who I, mean, I, I can only hope to fully emulate. Well, look, and I was going to say, yeah, I can only hope that is going to be me, or that mm -hmm. is me. Yeah. Yeah, you're, much respect to your dad. Like that, yeah. that's probably the first time I became aware of King Crimson was yeah. Yeah. through you. Yeah, my my, yeah, my dad was like dad was my dad was like too into like seventies like soft rock. So like Cat Stevens yeah. and Donovan and shit like that is like the stuff that he was like super into. So. I think I've mentioned before that my dad has far more street credit than I, even when it comes to 90s music, because he owned Nirvana's Nevermind on vinyl before I even knew what it was. Yeah. And also, my experience, dad not only did this listen to, found all this cool like shit no one knew about yet and listened to it himself, but he then also, every morning when we were, when he was trying to wake us up for school, like my mom would make the mistake of like walking in our room and being like, okay guys, like time to get up for school. And then 20 minutes later would have to do it again when we promptly ignored her. And then five times later, she's seriously get up. My dad did not fuck around with any of that inefficiency. All he did, he didn't say shit to us. He didn't do anything. He would just turn on our lights in our bedrooms, go into the living room, find, pick out a record, and he would turn the stereo up all the way. And when I say all the way, all the way, so that, and he would listen to whatever he felt like listening to that morning at volumes that we could not possibly sleep through. Like our beds were like shaking. Beautiful. So that's, I got lots of exposure to lots of things just because he wasn't fucking with us in our bullshit telling us to get up. That was just his way. Dude, yeah, my, uh, my dad would just, 
rip off like our comforters. But, but everyone has a different way. It's funny you mentioned that about your dad because like I put together, we, me and my daughter, who's now seven, gonna be eight um, in August, we put together like a mixtape for her and I played all this different stuff I thought she might like. So like in her mixtape is like a bunch of the Italo disco. So it's hopefully like I can be like cool like that to turn around yeah. to some like cool shit. Cause definitely my father also, he was like very, he was very focused on his career. And after mm-hmm. a certain point, he wasn't really listening to a bunch of music like that. And, and music, time to listen to music was like very precious back then. Yeah. Where I can like work and listen to music and my sort of level of consumption is just so much higher. So I don't yeah. know, hopefully I can be that cool dad. Probably I'll be a lame dad, but I'll try. But it also, from time to time, it was also super disconcerting. Like I remember waking up to Pink Floyd's Adam Hart Mother Suite one morning and I was fucking terrified. I was like, what? Oh God. And then I realized, oh no, it's cool. Dad's just, that's just the alarm. <laughs> Nice. Which, if you guys are not familiar with that particular song, like, if you play Oh, it, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. It's pretty fucking awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. so now we're going to sw- swing right into some Dave Matthews band. Jimmy Thing. <clears throat> this is my favorite Dave Matthews band song on ever, his entire... Obviously, past a certain point, I stopped listening, but... This would be my number one, probably, yeah, of any song. Probably of any song. And I think that the most that I can say about this, shame-wise, is that I have, I'm not ashamed, but to the extent that this is very much, I think, today viewed as Dave Matthews band, would be like, oh, you're gonna get some of the fraternity bros and take your geeks up on the Shen and the Blue Ridge Parkway bullshit? <laughs> so here's the thing for me, right? Like, I, when we were growing up in West Virginia, like, Dave Matthews did not have the association with frats or fraternities or bros or any of that shit. We didn't have any. (laughs) It wasn't possible. But like the football team wasn't listening to Dave Matthews band, you know? Like it just it just wasn't I don't know. Like to me, like that perception is really hilarious. And I know what you're talking about, because I think after the fact that became some sort of mainstream perception. And also, like, today, given what the second half of Dave Matthews' band kind of turned into. Another, like, festival band band. This album and Crash, I would fight anyone over the fact that they are fucking phenomenal, and this is an amazing song. Yeah, I think this was, like, so I think my intro was probably Crash, and then I quickly dug into everything that had come out before that and remembered that this album existed at that point. I think this will... Actually, there's a good chance this album makes it back into my rotation for the next couple weeks because I do remember really enjoying Under the Table and Dreaming and, oh, okay. and Crash. There was just so much more Crash on the radio and like in my own CD player and so much less to It's like Siamese Dream. I don't think I got the pumpkins for Siamese Dream. I got the pumpkins on Melancholy and then backtracked to Siamese Dream. This is exactly the same experience for the album. I actually had this one first, thanks to BMG Music Services, <laughs> and then and then like heavily listened to it, and then right around then crashed with it in MTV right around the time I finished up with it. So it was a pretty seamless transition. Yeah. So for our yeah for our younger listeners, we've already explained BMG in the past. I feel like we should do a whole episode about all the scams and ways that we used to get music back in the day. <laughs> oh. 
Also, can we do like an EP of the of shit that we actually would never have encountered in a million years, except for BMG? We should but totally do that. Day, kind yeah. of love. Yeah. <laughs> we should totally do that. There'd be some real like do. random shit on there. For yeah, me. no doubt. Yeah, so for me, I guess a couple things about Dave Matthews. Like I said, like this was not mainstream music when I was listening to it for sure. Also, I was in marching band and. The drummer, his name, a guy named Carter Beauford, yeah, is like a super yeah. highly respected technical jazz drummer. And so I was in the percussion line, and I don't know, he at the time had definitely a, a reputation of just, like his fills were like the cleanest, coolest, and so that had an extra little appeal to me at the time. I think that their mute, I guess the only thing, I'm probably not so high on these guys as you guys are, like for me, there's a lot of songs that are barely songs, and it's just Dave Matthews just being quirky and whatever. And one of their songs from Crash, Two Step, made my honorable mention. And it's like one of the few songs where I feel like there's a really strong song there. And there's a bunch of their songs where I just feel like it's, there's just not much going on, like song-wise. Like there's a lot of technical musicianship, but not much I would for agree me to with hold you. on to that. On that point, I absolutely would agree with you, except for that I would I would differ only with regard to those two albums. I think that like past that point, I'm 100% with you. There's just like little for me to really dig into. But these two, I think, are more way more substantive in my opinion. So there, what about what do you think about their third album? I think it's called Before These Crowded Streets. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Check this out. So I was uh, d doing the work for this, and I remember listening to that album a lot, the third one. And I remember when I was young, I loved this song called Rapunzel, which I think is track two on that song. Or on that oh, album. I think I do. I think I might also. That okay. Sounds real cool. So I was like, okay, I'm excited to listen to Rapunzel again. So I put yeah. it on. Okay. Again, I was in marching band, per percussion line. So the song's in five four. And not cutesy rock and roll 5-4 where there's like a bar that's 5-4. Mm -hmm. The whole song is in 5-4. And I th at the time, like the idea of a song that kind of was catchy in 5-4 was like crazy to me. It sounded so thin to me. Like, there, it sounded really clean and super thin. And I just didn't feel like there was enough of a song there. And I started listening to all the different songs on there and just was like, man, I, was, it, was it just like the sort of kind of technical piece and like the... Was it that that was like alluring to me? Because there's not too many songs. There's just not much there. It sounded really thin. The mix sounded super thin. So I recall listening to this album heavily over one summer that I was at, uh, man, this is the whitest thing I'm ever going to say in my life. <laughs> I was at Washington and Lee Summer Scholars Program for news, like, high school seniors or whatever. It was nice. terrible. I regretted every minute of it. It was full of some very, very privileged white people who I could not stand and who did not like me either at all. Nice. So I listened to this heavily at that because it just came out then and I was like, oh, I like Dave Matthews, another album. But I feel like at, once I left that scenario, it really very quickly lost all appeal and now I'm struggling to even remember if there's something I truly liked on it. And I just listened to Rapunzel real quick and the answer was not that. Yeah, not that, yeah. So. Yeah, 
Oh, I guess one other thing about Dave Matthews. So this was one of those bands that when I went to college, like, it became, it was made very clear to me that Dave Matthews sucks and is super uncool. And what are you, like, like, why are you bothering with this stuff? And I, I remember it was like my first, like, freshman year girlfriend. Like, I remember playing some of this stuff for her. And she was just like, yeah, this sucks. And <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Like, oh. And <laughs> like a month later, she broke up with me and then started dating the guy who ran the rock department at the radio sta station, which I eventually then also got kicked off of for playing like effed up stuff. And, uh, and there started my hate of hipster, indie, like fanboy. And the worst part is you start to listen to some of that music and then you start to understand why some people dig it. But I've always felt like I kept a safe distance from some of that bullshit. That's fair. So, so there's a little emotional baggage for you. Yeah. Uh, so we made it through driving dry out, dry out almost entirely. But I would agree on this song, like that driving drive out depth uh, of instrumentation. And yeah, so I remember that being like a highlight of that album. It was one that like didn't immediately grab me, but the more I listened to this album, the more it like snuck up on me, and I was like, to the point where I put it on last night, and Chris was like, "This is really catchy." Like Chris, who has <laughs> never heard, probably ever heard this in his whole life. That's um, fine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always a fun experiment when I do this stuff. It's a fun experiment to like get Chris's fresh take because he's heard. It's kind of been the same here. There's, there's been a couple tracks that it's like I've played it and booked it Aubrey and like anything. Yeah. So that transitions us very nicely into Limp Biscuit because Chris yeah. has many thoughts about Limp Biscuit. Oh, like I'm many sure. Thoughts. I am sure. We all have. Don't we all, though, in um, some way? Yes, we do. And I will be very clear and say that, do I think Fred Durst is obnoxious and Fred Durst? Like, of course, like yeah. no one likes Fred Durst. He's Fred Durst. But I like this song. I liked it when it came out. I still like it. I think it's, and, and again, Chris and I will fight about this, but it is better than the, yeah, better. So this is Limp Bizkit's Faith, cover of Faith by George Michael, by the way. That's right. And the uh, video is like family, the Family Values tour. Ryan, do you remember that? Oh, is it? Yeah, I really I, just I, thought it was Limp Biscuit like going about their fucking douchebag lives. <laughs> no, yeah, this is like a tour that was like Corn and Limp Biscuit and probably, I want to say like Stain. Yeah, this is yeah, this is one of those. This is one of those deals. So, what Chris said to me when I put this on was, "This is bad," and and it's, I'm gonna paraphrase, but. This is bad. Limp Biscuit is bad, and you should feel bad. You should feel <laughs> even though you just said you don't, you should. And I was like, oh, word. All right, hot take. Fair enough. I... Sounds like this one hit the sweet spot of the the EP. Like at, at least what could be shameful music. Hey, you know, yeah. I if I were susceptible to that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if if I gave if Chris's opinion mattered, yeah. <laughs> Which was. I feel like this was the start of the new metal covers songs from the 80s. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like this, this song created a monster that, like, I think I mentioned, like, Machine Head did, like, Message in a Bottle. Do you remember Orgy? Do you remember Orgy? They did... Oh, yeah. Fear Factory. Fear Factory did the Cars, the, the Gary Newman cars. cover. 
Oh, which, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if we're being honest, like that was probably my intro to Gary Newman. Nobody in rural oh, yeah, West Virginia yeah, was like, looking uh, at Gary Undoubtedly, Newman. it was my intro I to met, Gary Newman. I didn't, I had no clue who Gary Newman was. Love Gary Newman. Like, incredible. Okay, the Pumpkins did a cover of Gary Newman's Destination Unknown, I believe. Yeah, but that was on like a B-side. That was on a crazy, uh, yeah, that was a... Melancholy. Yeah, right? that's, that's right. That's on like the Butterfly, is that on the Butterfly? Bullet of Butterfly Wings, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow, okay, look, I don't know, I don't know, I don't have much to add. Definitely there's some Limp Bizkit songs that made my made my honorable mention. I don't like Limp and it's not even, I, I don't give a fuck if other people like it or don't like it, because I, when I was first like conceiving of this, I definitely wanted to go to Korn, listen to Korn's first album, because I remember liking it when I was a kid. So I don't give a fuck about that. I just, I tried to listen to the Limp Bizkit songs and like they don't, they just, they haven't aged well. Like they, they wouldn't be songs I'd put on there. And I think the only reason that like this song works, honestly, is because the original George Michael song is like catchy as fuck. <laughs> and, and, and they're super macho and aggro. And so they make this song that's like very not. <laughs> Right into yeah. something that's super macho and aggro, and like the contrast kind of works. Oh, listen, a... I am not. I would not ever dream of putting an, another Limp Bizkit song on this playlist. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this one. Yeah. This one. All right. Okay. Rammstein. Rammstein tier. What do you got to say about this, Jenny? Not a lot, except for that I feel like it was. It was for a hot minute. It was very cool. It was like the coolest thing. And that even though I still, I, I was listening to this last night uh, and I was still just as fine with it and just as digging it as I was many years ago, except for I just feel like today it would be like my litmus test is would a Gen Z li- like look at this and fucking laugh at you? You're like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I remember Rammstein Du Hast uh, uh-huh. was like a big deal. Like it played on MTV a whole bunch. I always liked Rammstein because it was just they were really weird in that German way that you can be on that yeah. weird German way that you can be weird. Um, yeah, which is it's like a little step beyond Marilyn Manson weird. Like it just got an extra level of nonsensicalness. Yeah. Also, a little bit more committed to some really insane stuff. Like their stage show, Manson stage show wasn't exactly for children, but but Rammstein definitely oh, had well, particular children. I have some children to go apologize to. Uh, But, okay, but I want to make a point about one of the things I like about this song in particular is that in a very, what I assume, I shouldn't say it's just a German way, but it it tickles me in the way that they have just unabashedly mixed what is like a weird death metal vibe, but also interspersed it with the goofiest hip-hop beat you can imagine. And they're like, no, this is fine. These two things they make sense in the same song yeah they were a little more committed to like industrial than i think a lot of these other bands i think they were cool i don't know yeah like to me i guess they were popular in the 90s so there's always like some kind of stigma with that but i don't know i don't think these yeah their stuff is cool i haven't listened to it in a long time so maybe who knows what it sounds like like now i guess but maybe it's like a snuff film yeah uh, yeah thankfully we're not streaming the video but (laughs) Yeah, yeah, video's a little bit of a, basically, you know what, it's, uh, what's that August Underground, that, the German filmmaker who makes these, like, basically, like, borderline snuff videos that are, like, horror movies, I don't know, yeah, okay, and then to end your EP, 
a song that I very much consider putting into my EP, which is Blind by Corn. Off their first album, the first track, if I'm not mistaken, track one, off their first right. self titled album. This felt a little bit, whereas Limp Biscuit felt a little bit more contained, this band felt, like, especially on this album, was pretty, pretty bloody strange for what was coming out. Yeah, yeah. They're really the pioneers of just non verbal screams before it it's was. It's like cool. scat. It's scat yeah, yeah, Oh, that's such a good way to that's put it. That's a good it. way to put it. Um, what I, what I, like, I remember getting this record uh, when I was a kid, and it sounded nothing like anything I'd ever heard, like metal wise. Like, it was like really super groovy, but then, like, like heavy. heavy, but then, like, this, it would like, like, transition into these, like, soundscapes that were, like, dissonant, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you have this, like, really groovy riff, and then the main verse is, like, th- th- it just sounds, it's, like, dissonant, weird sound effects. They're not really playing chords exactly. And the vocal styles were very different. It was, like, very, almost, like, emo before, really, there was emo. I don't know. I, I like, when I was younger, I liked this record a whole lot. Yeah. It just sounded so different. It inspired a bunch of bullshit, but... Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, they're playing, like, seven-string guitars and, like, five or six, a five- or six-string bass. Everything detuned really low. It's good. It's better than I remember it being, I think. It's, it's kind of how I'm feeling right now. His emo- like, so the other thing about Jonathan Davis is like the singing, is like, it, cause it's so crazy. Like, it's super, kind of, it can border on cringy how out of control he can get on a song. Where he'll start like making words up and you can just even feel like just how like emotional he is, like when he's singing, like his voice cracks a whole bunch all the time. Yeah. Which if there's anybody that worked some demons out and made millions off of it, it was probably this guy. Yeah, no doubt. He yeah, this guy yeah, they're interesting to me. I think the the problem for me with this band is as they got they got really popular for some fucking reason, I have no idea why. And then as they got popular their music started to change and it became I think a lot more formulaic. And like Anytime they tried to do something a little bit different, it just didn't sound right. It just sounded fucking weird. And, like, the I watched, when we were preparing for this, I watched a video for Got the Life. Do you remember that song? Yeah. That was on the third album or something. Right, third or fourth album, something like that. And it's got a disco beat, and it's it's weird. They're like, the drummer's playing like a disco beat, and the video's so, it's them driving around in like Lambos, and it has just such a different feel like this is like emotional intense crazy and the other shit just sounded just i don't know lame to me so to me that's where like and see then there's this part which is like some weird like almost like rage against machine type of thing thing um, yeah it's funny you're you mentioned that disco beat there was a band called static x Do you yes static x? yeah wayne static so yeah it does not make my shame list at all because that Wisconsin Death Trip is still an amazing album, but they were able to weave in that electronic sound with heavy in a really creative way. Okay, so 
Jenny, any final thoughts, final words? You feel no shame? None. Okay. Yeah, the entire internet could give me shit about that, and I would be, my jimmies would be unrustled. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go now to Ryan's EP, track one, Space Hog in the Meantime. Yeah, so, like, for me, I think the theme on my list is, is largely, like, a, a good song, but not the coolest version of the thing. And Space Hog, you can watch this video. Nothing has looked more like, like, tech CEO wants to be a rock god. So he buys a Rick and Bacher bass, and they get Marshall stacked. Have you noticed the drummer is playing a, a, playing, uh, a double kick drum kit? There's yeah. not a double kick drum. Like, hey, look, man. Maybe this show, drum. like on this show, like they're they're gonna play some other cuts from the album that required, yeah, <laughs> or like, like thrash metal, Megadeth type. This could also uh, easily double on a an, a flip side episode where we point out why people, why the musicians should be ashamed. Yeah, this is 100%. those those, those glasses, those sunglasses, man. But the <laughs> the video is it's super strange and poppy the song is i don't know there's something like strangely 90s british and perfect about this hook yes very um, much yeah i it's it's I, I can't i remember owning this album i think it was a bmg thing i think this is one of those songs that i wasn't aware of until bmg decided to send me this album I don't remember anything else from this album. <laughs> Me neither. In the meantime, is a song that I could listen to just about any day. Like it'll pop in my head out of nowhere, and luckily, the internet being what it is, I can pull it up and, and scratch that itch immediately. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember this. I also I think this is one of those. Yeah, this is definitely one of those. I borrowed it from you bmg deals yeah it's really catchy i think the verses there's just not much going on but the chorus is like really where the magic happens the riff is cool it's cool it's like another 90s song i think of every once in like a while right 90s radio one hit wonder if it's even that it's probably not even one hit i don't know that these guys had a hit with this song they just had a memorable song on one album um, yeah I'm yeah, Jenny, had you listened? Have you listened to the song? Have you heard of the song? I don't even think I've ever heard it before. Really? Yeah, it was like barely a hit. <laughs> I like. There's a little bit of Weezer in the hook. Yeah. There are bands that, if you want this sound, there are bands that care about making this sound and do a fine job of it. Space Hog is not that band. Okay, where's the shame? Where's the shame? Is it just that they're just a one-hit wonder? I, I think the shame is that, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's, it's one-hit wonder or if it's just so cookie-cutter 90s radio rock that, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pull cred for listening to Space Hog. Like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, there's no... I don't know. I would say but it's like a deep cut. Time, this could come on, I'd be the only person in the crowd like nodding and saying no <laughs> Well, if I was in the crowd, I'd, I'd, I'd join you. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. I think the shame in that one is it, it lies in the fact that like they really try and be rock and they it looks like someone bought them rock gear and shot a music video for them. Nice. Yeah, they didn't earn that. So I think I, if we can cut straight to the shame, it's that we're watching the Hard Rock Hanson. Like, <laughs> so this like, is Silverchair Israel's son, by the way. Yeah. So these guys were like. 14 and out of Australia and dropped an album in 95 called Frog Stomp that was like surprisingly heavy. Super heavy. But is again, you can hear the riff. The riff is like early Soundgarden like fill, right? It's not even, but it's really heavy. It's heavier than it has any business being. It starts with this great bass line that heavy open opening bass but yeah they're 14 year olds still like a 40 year old man listening to a couple 14 year olds playing their guitars <laughs> angstily so um, this is my my source of shame with this is they're such fucking overachievers man like how the fuck like I was the same age listening to this shit I couldn't even like possibly imagine like having a rock band and a fucking album like what the fuck man Stop, it, stop it, winning. As they say, it slaps. Like it's it's heavy, it's yeah. angsty, it's simple. Yeah. But yeah. It's cool. I dig I, I dig I still dig Frog Stomp. There's a bunch of really good songs on here. If you like grunge from that time, I feel like they're just in the mix and they got some good songs, right? Sure. I would probably listen to this album before I listen to most of Pearl Jam's catalog. Like, like 10 is great versus is really good. And that's about where I stopped with Pearl Jam. So there's a good chance I would come back to that before uh, Silverchair, before some of the later Pearl Jam stuff for sure. Oh, you know what probably could have been on an EP of Shame had I recalled it existed, but I actually like Suicidal Dream from this from this album. It's a good song. Suicidal Dream, yeah, no, there, yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of good songs on here, dude. I think this, yeah, I think you nailed the Shame part though. Like they are like basically Hanson with like Hanson playing a grunge album. Like I feel like through their career they got closer and closer to the Hanson goal, but for this album, they're early Soundgarden, right? They're right. like yeah. They are, they're angsty, they're angry, they know how to play a power chord, and they're yeah. not afraid to turn their amp to 11. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think generally, also, I just, I never root for pretty boys, just as like a, just a general rule. So, that always complicates things, but you're right, this is a really good, great record from back in the day. Yeah, I, and I listened to a few other tracks, Israel Sun is easily the hardest track on the album, and... Um, What's track one is really great, too. What the fuck is it called? Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah. That was, that, so that was, I remembered Tomorrow, and then, thankfully in YouTube's recommendations, it reminded me this song existed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, this is the better choice. Like, this is the song that I will still listen to today and enjoy it. And if I'm talking to someone about, like, heavy hard angsty music and bring up silver chair i'm gonna be a little bit ashamed when i do it Ooh, uh, look at the trend i forgot about this little transition here yeah. double time transition that's pretty cool he can I mean, he I mean, can sing his ass off for 14 man 
Mm-hmm. He must have got yeah. through puberty early. <laughs> like, why did I go through puberty <laughs> first? <laughs> uh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, all that strain and stress. Dude, this is pretty, yeah, this is, a, this is all right, man. It's better than it had any business being. Like, he's very, like, his vocals are very Kurt Cobain, like, the core rift behind, a rift behind it is like a throwaway Pearl Jam riff. But, yeah, Frog all right. Stop. All right, okay. So, Next one, Skilos, I wish. Obviously, right out the gate with a solid Forrest Gump reference. Um, not dating itself at all. <laughs> but you know what? So, my history with hip-hop is interesting because, again, like, my... The, the time where I got MTV, the access to MTV was, like, 1989. And at that point, like, Yo! MTV Raps was still a thing. And, like... The hip hop that I got was a lot of this, a fair amount of this kind of West Coast sound, like these, I don't know, that like this like classic 90s hip hop, late 80s, early 90s hip hop I got. And then I got away from like when grunge hit right. and got into metal really hard. Yeah. But this has always been one of those songs that like it's smart. I like it's it. Funny. I like it. it. Take it's funny. Too seriously. It has this solid. Like Good early beat. 90s West Coast sound. That, the, like the horn, is perfect. Good, good beat. Like it yeah. sounds, it could be like a Dell song. It could be like a, it could yeah. be like a Hyro, and, early Hyro song. And that's where we get to the shame. Like, because again, if I want this sound, there are better versions of this sound, right? Like, yeah, I see you what you're pull saying. out Hyro. So, like, Souls of Mischief. Or, Souls of Mischief, like Far Side. The AC far Alone, side. right? Yeah, yeah. Like all these different. I mean, and those guys like creative music that changed hip hop. And like, I wish didn't change hip hop. It took, it took a sound and it did a fun thing with it. And there's no shame in that for sure. Yeah. But there's a lot of music I want to listen to. So do I go for Stilo if I want that sound? <laughs> or do I just go straight to hieroglyphics and, right. you know, cut out the middleman? I mean, this is like the Fresh Di Prince version of hieroglyphics. Digital like underground. Very, right, yeah. Yeah. It, but it's a great sound. And it's a I hilarious it. song. I dig it, man. It's cool. Like, what I like, you know what I like about it? It's like it clowns like a lot of the gangster shit like in some for ways, sure right which it is it is Stilo's sweater song if i can uh <laughs> <laughs> there, there oh, it is there we were looking for it i'm still looking for the free bird of time. like free bird of the com combined Dude, eps if you're looking for Skilo's free bird i'm not an authority <laughs> that might be a might not be a thing don't though. challenge me I like that I mean, please do. I, I want to see what you can come up with. I know nothing else of Steeler's catalog. Me neither. Me neither. This could be both his sweater song and his. He can rap though. Do you understand? Here's he the thing. Here's That's the a great thing. song. Like, There's like, no here's the thing. Like, the and this is where I'm gonna be like fucking old man. There are literally rappers who cannot even fucking rap. Like, all mm. they do is take fucking zannies and have fucking tattoos. At least this motherfucker can rap. He's not just completely talentless. It just ha so happened he only had one hit. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is a great call. I, I just completely forgot about this song. Yeah, and again, 
I'm with Coma and that it's hard for me to find music that I feel shame, any kind of shame with. Yeah. If I don't like it, I just straight up don't like it. And it's, I'm not ashamed. I end up coming across as pretentious. Like <laughs> a lot of other people are like, oh, it's a great song. I'm like, it's fucking trash. Um, <laughs> But I don't yeah. feel like I don't feel shame in that direction. I don't feel shame about coming with some space hog because I love it. And all right, so let me just real skip a page. The song. Yeah. There we go. So ska music. <laughs> it's one of those things that like teenage me. It was hard pressed to admit how much he enjoyed <laughs> the sound of a, a group of gentlemen playing horn. Playing horn. And, and, and the sight of one guy whose job it is just to dance. Yeah, but okay. But, yeah, no, I think this is a great. This is a great choice for so many different reasons, right? It's hilarious. Toxic this masculinity is like, is like why it's like all around yeah. like the shame here, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not. It's, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's, it's fantastic. It's technically good. Like, they know how to mute their guitars when they need to. They know how to punctuate the notes the, in the way you need it with ska. But at the same time, not the best version of ska. If you want to listen to some good... If I want to listen to ska now, it's like the specials. I feel like I can put it on the specials and not feel ashamed to really love because they have a little bit more in the reggae side and this is just straight up like funny frat boy ska music yeah okay so i love the lyrics this song so this song is like the hook by blue traveler like it's a song about like where they're basically admitting that like they're selling out and this is what they're gonna do they're gonna sell out and now they have this music video and if, they sold out if <laughs> if you take the time to go through their music videos, the, the intro component tells exactly that story. <laughs> it, there's just a bunch of loser jerks playing in like a ska band with their friends because they don't care about anything else. Yeah. And the record company comes to find them and make something of them. And this is the song where they're like, sure, whatever you want me to do. I'm happy <laughs> to like... It's genius in that way. It's kind of kind of cool and subversive in that way. Yeah. And, and like the Mighty Boston's, solid ska. Yeah. Took themselves a little too seriously the further along in their career they got. These jokers, like, maybe are most famous for showing up in basketball. If you can be famous <laughs> for showing up in basketball. Wow, that's a deep... I, I, I totally forgotten about that. Did they play one of the they're games like, or something? Is that... They're the band for, I, I think, for, I can't remember the name of the team. That would have been a really good poll. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Trey Parker and, and Matt Stone's team, I think these guys are, they're either playing one of the matches or they're just like the stadium band for one of the teams. I call um, them being like the stadium band. but it, I it was great. It was incredibly funny. I don't know. I had, as, as somebody I had... who played horns when he played in a band, like, to hear a horn on an album still makes me happy. So so I had a couple more outs to like this stuff because I was in marching band. So a bunch of the people that played horns had some of these, like the the ska records that like made it big, right? Like this and this like, like no doubt you if you played like, it. Bunch of other stuff. Yeah, if you're a high school student playing the trumpet Miles Davis is not the one that like legitimizes you among your friends and leads your career. 
It's oh yeah, we can play this fun ska band because you all have cool instruments like guitars, but I have this horn. Yeah, I don't know. There's it's a lot of good. Can... There's a lot of good ska. I, I don't know. I'll defend some ska from the '90s. There's a lot of good stuff there, man. A lot of cool stuff out there. That, uh, I had that. I don't know when or how I got that real big fish album, but I had that album and listened to a lot of it. So, all right. So instead of going with the standard music video, I went with the 120 minute performance of this, which we probably like, watched, which we probably watched taped off your shit. And these guys are the opposite end of the spectrum from Space Hog in that they look like grungy. Their guitars are destroyed. They look like they're in college. This was a BMG album for me. I didn't know about it until I got this sent to me. And this particular track is really better than it has any business being. Funny enough, Hum put out an album this year, and it may be the first album since this came out in 1995. Yeah, I yeah. So uh, I have a distinct memory of being. I feel like in your mom and stepdad's house, putting this on and on the stereo. And like we repeated this song a bunch of times because like it had that really mellow kind of intro, and then, and then it, it just and it's yeah. funny listening to it now. It's like a little bit of a shoegazy sound that we weren't really exposed to much back then, yeah, except for did. maybe the Pumpkins, like May, like maybe yeah, yeah maybe early Pumpkins or a little bit of like Susie and the Banshees had made its way into my awareness in high school through an ex. But yeah, like shoegaze was not a thing I was aware of, but it still has that kind of e- what would become the emo component in the next like five to seven years. I I don't know. These guys are at least for this song a cooler version of Weezer for me. <laughs> okay, what, where's so what's the, sh- the is the shame that like my bloody Valentine was out there or like what's the shame? I guess the shame is that there again are better versions this thing that like I could go and listen to and really like I could listen to Sonic Youth like important I could have been listening to important acts that sounded like this that made an impact and instead I was listening to (laughs) stars by heavy this this could have been like this is like Yolo Tango a little bit I'm hearing the Yolo Tango vibes a little bit if you if you you know them like yeah you're probably right it's still yeah. the song still fucking rocks though, man. And their drummer hits like helmet or something. Like yeah, it, like it, there is punch, and particularly in this version, like it's a little bit toned down on the album. They're definitely playing a little harder because they're on the hard rock show at the time. They're on the twenty minutes. Yeah, this yeah. is their big break. But on the album, this song holds up. If this is the only version you've heard, you're gonna listen to the album and be like, all right. They had a sound. They knew what they wanted to sound like, and they were able to pull it off and take it the spectrum of heavy, soft, all of it. Yeah. Had you listened to the song, Jenny? Had you heard this one before? Nope. This is a little bit Never of a like, this is a little obscure for sure. I don't think I know yeah. anybody else that knows this music except for you, Ryan. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think most of the people we know that do know this music, I am the like vein. Because I listened to it on heavy repeat in the time yeah. where nobody else was listening to it. I'm responsible for Silver Chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were responsible for Silver Chair for sure. All right. Okay. So next 
on your list. Ooh. Yeah. Really good song. Ooh. Genuinely good. Maybe, like, at this point, I would probably easily say that out of this kind of style of R&B, hip-hop, like, Aaliyah, I don't know, she had Timbaland producing most of her tracks. There's just a certain way that this song hits that I can't ever get out of my head. Dude, well, first off, R.I.P. Aaliyah. Second, yeah. holy shit, I, did I love the song that came out. And I'm so disappointed that I didn't think of this for my EP of Shame because you, I definitely wasn't supposed to be listening to this song, like, at the time. This is not something I was supposed to be listening to. So this is 1998. Like, on heavy repeat for me are things like Slayer. Um, yes. Pantera. <laughs> Pantera. Um, I... I I hate God, like really <laughs> heavy, dark stuff, but you can't not like move to this beat. So good. This beat is so but, fucking good, man. So the shame is again around that kind of toxic masculinity in my later teenage years. See, Jenny, you know, I look how lucky you are. You don't have to deal with this fucking like albatross yeah, to toxic be, masculinity. To <laughs> she, had to, she had to deal with the other side of it while we Well, right, right, right. You had to deal with it, the, the consequences of it, like, externally. But at least, not psychologically. I'm not sure I'm totally following you. Say what I'm saying is, growing up as a, like, a young man, especially back then, you just have all these ex expectations of what you're supposed to be as a man. Right? Oh, yeah, but Do I also mean? had expectations for how to be a man as well, more so than anything else. Listen, <laughs> my grandmother, like, when I saw her, like, once a year, would regularly say things like, oh, why don't you be more ladylike? No, you had the other stuff. You had the other stuff of, like, you're yeah. supposed to be a certain kind of girl. Right? Yeah, you're supposed to, you're, like, girls don't listen to heavy metal. Or, that's more what I would get. But, right, uh, right. you know, I don't give a shit about that either. Yeah, no, it's true, yeah. I think it was just an ever-present thing. At the end of the day, like, I was who I was. Same for you, Ryan. I, I, it was just like an extra hurdle, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's like an yeah, extra thing cool. you have to deal with to get to what, whatever it is you want. Yeah, and I mean, like, along those lines, I, I mentioned earlier that the summer I spent at Washington and Lee was, like, the worst summer of my life. Like, part of that, I think, started off really early when I was in a dorm with many rich white girls, and I had the Metallica sticker. They did not care for any of that. Like, they were just like, excuse me? Yeah, no, so we weren't friends, but, yeah. yeah. This, the dancing and the costumes in this video are pretty, hell at 90s I mean, and pretty crazy. Yeah, you could take Aaliyah out a lot of these sets and put in Missy Elliott and yeah. shoot a completely different video that was also Dude, thing. listen to but, that beat, man. Just... Yeah. Man, just, I don't and, know, so catchy. And what's the percussive element? Is that spoons or is that someone like... I think... Like, making a noise with their mouth? I think like, it's a making a noise with their mouth sampled and the... So they're like... They're like beatboxing. It's totally, yeah. It's super cool. Do you guys remember the genuine song, Pony? Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. so that was one that I remembered after I put together my EP. And that's a good song. That's a great song. Timbaland also did that one. Yeah, Timbaland was really like putting out a lot of solid 90s beats. All right. That, to me, that one is the one that I think is just like the one I'm most excited about on your list, probably just because. On just that note, I, I can't believe that it did not occur to me 
to dig up any of Justin Timberlake stuff, although maybe that was post-90s. I don't know. I think it was, most yeah. of it was post-90s, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all right, Veruca Salt. I think this is another one that I found, like, late-night MTV. It's very, like, silly 90s uh, girl band. But it's heavy. Most of the album's relatively heavy. It's not as pensive as bands like Hole, and it's not as angry as... This is like Diet Riot Girl. Like, if I would have been aware of things like Bikini Kill, it would have been the better choice. But I wasn't. And <laughs> How could we have access to Bikini Kill? Nobody was bringing that shit. Again. Yeah. So therein lies the, the shame again, right? Like, it's the shame of this was my way into that sound, and it definitely holds that, like, enjoyable place, even though I can listen to it now and find it incredibly silly and, again, kind of cookie-cutter rock radio. It was still incredibly fun. I like and I like the song. I like, little... I like the song, and I like the record. I, yeah. Jenny, did you ever listen to this record? Eight, I think it's called Eight Arms to Hold You. Okay. Never heard. Did you like any of those, like, whatever, quote-unquote, riot girl, like, 90s, like, grunge and punk, like... Uh, women, female-led bands, or any of that? I did have a huge amount of love for the Breeders. Fuck yeah. Yeah, they're great. In fact, like, the, the baseline from Cannonball is already in my head now. But nice. also Hole. I like Hole. Beyond that, I can't think seven. of any other. Do you remember any L7, L7 or, or Slater Kenny? L7 I knew about back then because they very famously threw, like, bloody tampons at a concert or something. And it was in like a Rolling Stone or something like that, but I never listened to their music back then. So I think I had an L7 album, but I can't remember which one. So this is like another toxic masculinity. Uh, yeah, I think pick. it is, right? <laughs> it's a little bit of toxic masculinity and a little bit of like taste. And then it's fine, but it's super tame compared to this same sound coming from some other band. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was really into Holes, like, two records, like, in the 90s. Like, I think one was called... Yeah. One was called Celebrity Skin. I think that was the second one. And I can't remember what the other one was called. I think the the one that I'm pretty sure I was familiar with was called, like, Live... Oh, no, wait, that was afterwards, wasn't it? Hold I on. Think was through Live, this. Live Through That's This was, like, the first one. Yeah. I think Live Through This was yeah. the first one. Yeah, I think that's the one I listened to. I'm not even sure I listened to... I don't think I listened to Celebrity Skin at all. Was that the one with Malibu on it? Because, like, I did not like Malibu, and that turned me off a hole from that point on. Yeah. I think, I think that is the one with Malibu. Yeah, that's the one with Malibu, yeah, for sure. I liked them back before they were smooth rock. I liked them when they were a little more rough. Any final thoughts? And then we can do I the mean, after party. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I have shame in from my EP is more related to access. I, like, I feel like there, there are things that if I would have had access to, I would have chosen over a lot of these songs, but because they were my intro to so much music that I really love, they retain enjoyment for me. Like, it, I can listen to the other things. I can listen to like we said, hieroglyphics as opposed to Skilo, and feel good about myself. Um, <laughs> but I can listen to Skilo and 
have some really happy kind of memories of a life where this sound didn't exist and then I realized that it existed and was able to start trying to find my way down a path. Yeah, like I said, I think before, like, I'm 39. It's hard to feel shame about things like music at this point. But, again, I think I know... I guess the way I tried to think about it was, like, I know the songs that I should feel shame for. And and it's okay. Like, it's also okay. Like, I think, I don't know, people get so, like, uptight about shame, right? Like, it's like... Or let's just, like, that it's, like, this is, like, a horrible thing that you need to, like, avoid at all costs. And I, I don't feel like for me, like I run away from it necessarily. I'm just, I'm more comfortable with it being around as I've gotten older. Let's embrace it, yeah. Like I just run with it a lot more. Yeah. Um, Jenny, final thoughts? I mean, yeah, I'm, still on the shame. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so I guess that's it. We'll figure out what we're gonna do next.